Hello again and welcome to another episode of College Football Down Under. My name is Aaron Kemp and I am joined by Will Sunlit Murden. How are you going tonight, William? Yes, had to tighten the old drawstrings around here. Uh, tough going these parts of the world at the moment, so we've, <laughs> we've resorted to sunlit and uh, like not even LA ice cola. Like it's it's a step back from that. You remember the old LA ice? Yeah, they were horrifically bad. Yeah, well, I'm a step back. From you know that when you you know when you rocked up to like a seven year old birthday party and you and you crack the esky looking for a coke. And it's just LA ice. And like my perception of what is wealthy and what's not is, as a seven-year-old, determined by things that are clearly not great measures of wealth or not. No, I think so like when I saw on. that when I saw that LA ice or what was the A like? Uh, the other one, A, you know, had like an A on it. Yeah, I don't know, but a like cola the- or something. Anyway, and, and you'd be like, these people are fucking poor. Yeah, what am I doing here? <laughs> this is bullshit. There's always in a Meanwhile, I'm walking around in a ten-bedroom yeah. mansion with swimming pools and shit. There's always in oh, a well. bottle. You never got like individual <laughs> cans or little yeah. bottles. It was one big bottle, and you had to go find a cup and then pour it in. And fuck. <laughs> yeah, there'd be soft drink everywhere. I'm there, get playing past the parcel, getting jacked up on. Bloody honey cornflake. What are they called? Honey crackles? Honey crackles. Yeah. Like fairy is- bread. We're eating fairy bread. Anyway, uh, well, that's uh, another interesting start. Will's got power back, so that's exciting. Um, we haven't been flooded out like the East Coast, but trees down on power lines has turned people back into what I can only assume up there in your part of the world makes people feel like they're cave dwellers again. People Definitely. just freaking out Definitely. and demanding like retribution. Oh, look, we had a bit of a weather event here in uh, Adelaide and my first issue was with the Bureau uh, <laughs> because <laughs> they, well, they issue out your, uh, your, your thunderstorm warnings, right? Mm-hmm. And whenever they issue out these thunderstorm warnings, no one fucking cares. Like like the the, the, the the regular thunderstorm warning is a little bit of lightning, bit of thunder, nothing really fucking happens, right? Like that's kind of how it goes and, and that my whole life, thunderstorm warning, yeah, whatever, I like I'll bring the sheep in or whatever it is that shepherds do in those situations doesn't really impact me. Then this weekend we got a thunderstorm warning and my house almost blew the fuck over. Like trees were <laughs> everywhere. Everything was sideways outside. You looked outside, and I th- at one point rain was just going up. Like the the wind was blowing the rain kind of up from the ground, and <laughs> the trees were. It, it was like nothing I'd ever seen. And at no point with a bomb like, "Hey guys, actual thunderstorm," or like, legit, <laughs> "Like just give me something." So you after in the pre-show you were kind of voicing your opinion about people blaming other people in these situations yeah and how they're and you've jumped yeah. you've jumped squarely on board the complaints uh section yes. but um, my problem is not with the power providers it's with those who are tasked with protecting us in these situations and giving us forewarning that my house so, so thunderstorm warning is not enough it's got to no, be like it's like the boy who cried plus, wolf plus plus exactly right give me a plus plus <laughs> tell me there's a fucking cyclone coming and i might pay a little bit of attention <laughs> all right let's not get buried here we're part of the vault studio podcasts so please do support the guys ja richie i'm doing it again here ja richie Corey, 
Just the guys. Just the guys. Uh, Burnley Brewing. Fucking LJA. All right, mate. Get us our goddamn beer. JA is not British, but if he was, I would complain at him in that accent and he'd probably take off his little peaky cap and slice me with it. But seriously, though, Burnley Brewing, great job. Get them to us, mate. I just hope our everyone's favourite producer is doing okay. So last weekend... I don't. I don't. That <laughs> prick has not got us our beer. I don't like... Most get it together, dude. Most listeners are probably uh, recognize. If anything, last, God is smiting him because <laughs> of his lack of uh, integrity in this space. We weren't able to get an episode out, and you, you were off gallivanting around playing with kids or whatever it is that you do. Yeah, that doesn't sound fun. <laughs> uh, so, so I touched base with our, our favorite producer JA, and and he was going to fill in. Uh, and, and we had that all lined up and then I'd done a bunch of prep work, had the show all teed up, like worked my fingers to the bone in, in getting the run sheet together. And then I get a text from the big man saying he's off to hospital because he's done himself a mischief because he's an old fucker and shouldn't be playing sports anymore. I don't think, is there any evidence of this actually occurring? I believe cool. that you that you knew that you were going to, he was going to have to face the music here around burnley brewing delivery or lack thereof and he's falsified this scenario to not have to front you and the heat that he was going to cop on that front so ja stop pretending get the fuck out of bed and get to the post office <laughs> all right so we've got the week 11 games we're going to get the week of 12 games as well um we've got a whole bunch of stuff we're going to touch on the college football playoff Who's in, who's out, ch- who's chasing their six wins for a bowl game. I've got a little special segment here because Will couldn't p- get his shit together last week and get an episode out. So going to give you a little bit more this this week. Hopefully we don't burn too much clock, although we say that every week and we do. Before we get into it, I had a pretty good week last week for kind of both of us. The Canes won, Tampa Bay won, Oklahoma State won, hung on. Chicago have a quarterback now, that's exciting. And well, our fantasy teams won. Who takes snaps. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, so, like, there was kind of like a, a bit of a green tick all round for us as sports fans. The only thing that I've found frustrating because I have not watched the Canes. I said if they have good games, that I'll go back and watch them retrospectively. But because they're so shit now, I cannot find a full length replay of the game. So I'm just I'm just stuck to like a, a 15 minute condensed version, which was not really. Yes, and and I feel for a lot of our fans out there who support teams where it's not necessarily easy to get a stream for because they live Mm. this every week. I know myself with the situation we had, we had no power for a number of days here. I I was a refugee seeking asylum with you Sunday morning. You were Mm -hmm. kind enough to take me in. I abandoned my family, said, you guys are on your own. I've got college football to watch. Uh Made it down the hill to, and you were kind enough to take me in, which was fantastic. But I wasn't able to get much outside of the games that we watched together there. Uh, And then I did get a lot of rhetoric from from home when I was making this move and and abandoning my family. Like, why do you have to go now? Why can't you just watch the replays? And I'm like, well, it's, it's not as easy as that this is this is live you miss a lot stuff. you miss you, a you lot. miss a lot it, it, it's something that you like i really if i can't watch it live my interest in it just fucking dives big time for one and two it's often difficult to find replays of these games that that you want to see so 
Thanks for yeah, thanks for I'm, taking me in, mate. No, that's okay. That's okay. It was it was enjoyable, short and sweet, and uh, certainly uh, you feel like you're on the clock when you're watching these days because Dad you Judy awaits. Yeah. <laughs> And it is undefeated so far. Um, quick bit of news before we move on. Uh, most, if you're listening to this show, you will already know that the three players um, that were part of the shooting on the University of Virginia campus, obviously devastating news for the the families and the players, and we don't need to open up any kind of um, political commentary on this but fucking get it sorted uh but as a result uva may be not continuing their season this year and 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 understandably so i mean i don't know how you try and recover from that and then prepare for a game and worry about hey this team runs a uh, an, an odd front and we need to make sure that uh we're getting our gap responsibilities correct like that's just not something on the forefront of your mind in a situation like this so obviously hearts go out to the families and the players on the team Yes, absolutely. Heart-wrenching and uh, puts it all into perspective a bit uh, when, when terrible things like this happen. On other news, I suppose the coaching carousel has started to, I wouldn't say like kicked into action, but the little carny that runs the carousel at the fairgrounds as like he's got that big uh, like novelty switch and he's like plugged it in and there's like a few sparks and it's like a, a crackling of music and lights and then it cuts out again. But certainly it is getting to that point in time where this thing is starting to heat up. Um, and, and along co- coinciding with that, of course, is portal rumors around players transferring is starting to circle as well. Now, these things will already be in action. I know apparently it's all illegal to make contact with coaches before the season ends. Likewise, it's, it's not okay to contact players. However, we know all of that stuff is coming to a head and no player is going to enter the portal without somewhere to go. Oh, not, no elite player, I guess. And they're expecting a fairly large, considerable turnover of elite players in the portal this year. Yes, the, the portal does seem like it's really hopping some some fire and heating up and getting exciting um so i think that's going to be an interesting one as as this continues to evolve and and coaches figure get more data on it and figure it out and how they can better leverage it to deliver outcomes for them we're going to see the big guys continue to to do well in this space. No, like this was the great equaliser, remember? This is a, <laughs> well, that's what it was originally. It was supposed to originally be that, and then they would find a way to exploit. But that they were quick on that exploitation. <laughs> they were quick. All right, let's get to our Week 11 games. Um, we're going to touch on a few... Uh, we'll go into detail on a couple more. Remember, we've got our loved, our hated, and our spicy takes around these. It's supposed to only be one for each game, but I've actually got a couple for... <laughs> for uh, one of the games because I think there was a lot to sort of dive into. I will let you um, probably close the segment. There was a whole bunch that you wanted to touch on late, but let's open with UCF and Tulane, ranked matchup in the American. Uh, UCF go on the road, win that game, obviously. My kind of, I've got two takes on this one. First one, I hated Tulane's uniforms. Green with like the powder blue does not work. Maybe steer clear of that. I thought that was ugly. Um, and my, I don't really have a loved, my spicy take from lack of a spicy take is that 
this game didn't have much. Like it didn't tell us much. Tulane are solid, cool, yes. UCF really good this year as well. And my take is I don't have a take. UCF jumped out of the blocks. They managed to keep Tulane at arm's distance the whole way. Uh, if anything, they probably controlled the game for longer periods at time, despite Tulane evening things up later in the second half. But to me, U- UCF were, were the goods. Um, John Reese Pump Plumley was fantastic running the ball. Um, and it was good to watch some American football action, but no great takeaways from this. Probably fair. Uh, UCF got the win, as you expected. Probably disappointing for Tulane here. They, they were having a historically good season for their program, and they certainly just let themselves down with that sl- sluggish start in this one. I think they certainly have it all happening this year. Talented squad. Uh, you mentioned John Reese Plumley. Obviously not great through the air. Like he ain't, he ain't playing on Sundays, but boy... <laughs> no. Our boy can move, and he's the type yeah. of quarterback you love to get around at the college level because he will lower the boom on on DBs trying to tackle him. And and he had a day out going for over a buck seventy there and and punching a couple in. So good for good for the American, good for UCF, and they're looking like a, a strong program heading over to the Big Twelve. Always comes back to the Big Twelve. Uh, let's jump to the SEC, Alabama survive against Ole Miss in Oxford. Again, most people are already going to know these results. I will let you go first, Will, because I've got... This is my one. I've got a lot here. Actually, I'll start with one before I handle you. Love Jackson Dart's eye paint. Thing looks sweet. That's my really only love I, in this game. Oh, I love that Jackson Dart's head is still attached to his body because <laughs> oh, there oh. was a period there where I thought that might not be the case after he had his helmet Dallas dislodged. Turner ripped his hair. Off. Look, I know you've got to and be then on pretended the like he didn't mean to. Yeah, oh, pretended like he didn't mean what? to. He, he really oh, like no. he really cocked his elbow on the way down as oh, well. Yeah. Like it wasn't. A, it wasn't. A, oh, it was a I've, real slingshot action. Correct. There was an opportunity to let go, and he's like, "Well, yeah. the fingers are in here, so I've already got the 15. <laughs> I might as well see if I can break this kid's neck clean <laughs> off." Uh, yep. Look. Uh, You've got a lot on this one, so I won't um, beat around too much. I thought it was a good game. I think Ole Miss probably mm. lost, uh, left some points on the field. Oh. Uh, they've kind of let this one go begging a little bit. Uh, the atmosphere was good there. I know Mississippi have been copping it a bit this year for the wild tailgate scene being so wild that no one's coming into the fucking stadium <laughs> to watch the game. Just disappointing. I can understand it, but it's disappointing. Uh, not so much the case this one. They, they were in full flight, and then they got to experience that disappointment up close and personal, which is... Yeah, I, I've got to jump on that first point you made. I totally agree. Ole Miss didn't take their chances early and they dominated so much in the early part. Uh, after the, so each team had three possessions, right? After, the, after Ole Miss had the ball three times, they were 27 plays for 144 yards. And Alabama, in their three possessions, 13 plays, 24 yards. The score was 7 nothing, And Ole Miss had a turnover on downs inside the 10... Uh, and you just felt like at that point they had to be up by more than that. Even if it was 10 nothing, you felt like 10 nothing just feels so much better, bigger and better than a touchdown. From there, Alabama closed the gap, and then it was back and forth the whole way. So I just, after getting off to such a good start, you had to put more points on the board, and scoreboard pressure's uh, important, and so I hated that Ole Miss couldn't do more of that. 
My second point that I hated, I hated the last set of downs for Ole Miss. Oh, my God. That was frustrating as hell to watch. It was like me playing like NC... No, not NCAA because I played it so much. But like if I got the new Madden game, that is what Jackson Dart would look like. Um, in terms of the fact that he went to a first read and he was out of there straight away. Like, he just panicked and he had some success on, on like, some ad-lib scrambles earlier in the, in the quarter. And he also had some success on QB draws. And it just didn't pay off here. I know the he, you know, had an opportunity to, to make some plays there. But what you had is a throw on first down. I know analytics say throw the ball on first down. That, you know, they say, you know, there's no point in running first down. Throw the ball on first down. Then you've got some options from there. But they go incomplete. Jackson does a draw for nothing. And then he does his one read freak out play. Runs around then gets sacked. I just a complete misfire from offensive coordinator and quarterback on that series, especially because you just run the ball for carries of 35 and 14 yards on the drive ready. Fucking hand the ball off. Judkins was moving the ball so well. Hand the ball off. Run the ball. I remember sitting there talking to you about it. I was like, I think they're going to score too quickly here because they were running the ball so well. Run the fucking ball. Instead, they got a little bit too cute. Jackson Dart panicked, and I hated that whole last four downs for, for Ole Miss. Yeah, I agree that that drive was looking so good up until that point, and then it just felt rushed and it felt yeah, just yeah, agree. felt off point. And like it's easy to have a crack at it now uh, when you look back, you're playing against elite defense. That coverage on the final play there, f- fantastic! Like he got himself in a, f- a great spot, made a great play on the ball. You got to give some credit there, but it is frustrating when you're moving so well to then just completely stall out uh, yeah. and and have it all go away as quickly as that. i got two spicy takes on this one. Okay. Shall I go? Because you're going to disagree with both of them. (laughs) Firstly, um, Bryce Young probably goes as one of the top two quarterbacks taken off the board next year. Is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. Him and CJ Stroud, yep. I think he's going to have some growing pains in the NFL. Uh, And that's not uncalled for from... Or not unusual, sorry, for freshman or, or you know rookie quarterbacks and we've seen it recently we sort of haven't seen anyone come in and really take the nfl by storm it's taken Tra- jalen hurts a few years trevor lawrence has struggled a little bit Tra- joe burrow's, burrow's been, been yeah he's been up and down a bit though yes he's been good and he came on late but the cincinnati Bengals weren't good early last year and and now he's regressed again this year so he, it's not like he's andrew lucked this thing a little Herbert's bit it's been pretty good well, he's struggled this year as well, though. I don't think necessarily things his fault. And I don't need to go into the NFL side of things, but he hasn't been that good this year. And I think that's more a play calling offensive uh, side of things, more so than his ability. He's also been injured. So Tua struggled out the gate a little bit. And, you know, the offensive land is going to be really important. And it's going to be important for Bryce Young because I think his feet are inconsistent at times and he holds the ball too long. And that's a real dangerous trait to have in the NFL because that pass rush gets home and quickly um so i just see he and and he trusts his ability to make those i'm not going to compare him to mahomes but those off-platform funky kind of plays that mahomes is kind of known for he's going to do some of that stuff but it's also going to lead to inaccurate passes which are going to cost him the next level so my spicy take is bryce young is going to struggle next year in the nfl yeah, look, I I can't knock that. As much as I think Bryce Young will be a fantastic player at the next level, it's going to take time. I think, as you've mentioned there, there are enough 
case studies going in. Like I thought Trevor Lawrence was an Andrew Luck type. (laughs) Better. Yeah, and and it hasn't worked out that way. Now, to be fair, the Jacksonville offense and the setup that he had around him there made it near impossible for him to have success. What? His coach was fisting young women up the (laughs) arse. It feels like... That, but that would have been a perfect uh, absolutely, and it makes sense that we're going to see that from Bryce Young. I think there's a bit of Kyler Murray in in what it is, and it's not just because he's a, a shorter, mobile quarterback, but just that twitchiness and like he's not as athletic as Kyler. He's not as helmet, athletic, but his he relies. Not as big. He doesn't have a bobblehead helmet. <laughs> he relies on that athleticism to kind of get out, make people miss, and then do something really cool. And I think both yeah. of them are, are very much in that boat. And it can work for you, but it can also... You need more than that at the next it, level. Yeah. To me, it feels a little more like Russell Wilson. Like They're not the same body shape or style, but it's like the best plays that Russell Wilson makes are when he's flipping around, rolls out, and then just pulls the trigger deep downfield. Um, Bryce Young, I think, is more talented at reading the field than... Anyway, let's not get Russell into the comparisons. Wilson. We've got plenty of time for that. Russell more Wilson ta- and that Denver offense has been fucking horrific. You're saying Bri- Bryce Young is more talented at reading the field than Russell Wilson? Uh, yeah. Yeah. He, uh, he doesn't have... He doesn't Russell have Wilson's it. a Hall of Fame quarterback. Russell Wilson is yeah. a... Yeah, but look at look at what he's done. He's not a tempo-type thrower. He not, never has been. That's why Denver is, Denver's fucking battling at the moment because his best plays are him walking out the back of a pocket, making a dude miss, and hitting a deep ball. He's not the sort of dude who's going to zing you downfield at times and hit thing, um, plays in tempo, whereas Bryce Young, to me, has done more of that than what Russell Wilson has this year. If Bryce Young turns out to be Russell Wilson, teams should be dra- dra- trading four, five first-round picks to land him at 101? Way. Yeah, because he's crushing it at the moment. He's worth three first-round picks, and I reckon Denver want their, their money back. I mean, yeah, I'm not like, comparing the two. They're different athletes. I just think, like in terms of his holding the ball style, that's what you get from Russell Wilson. That's all I'm saying. And then I, I think anyway, let's not de- deep dive there too much. Uh, my other spicy take is Nick Saban will not win another championship at Bama. That is spicy. Done. Done. That is spicy. You're I mean, like, it's not. The, it's not that it, spicy. Absolutely, like it's, it's like the dude is fucking old. Don't get me wrong. I see yeah, him. That like, guy is old and. I know he's extended how, how through twenty thirty or whatever. Yeah, if, but he, he's if he's not, there, any if he's there another five years, they win another one. You reckon? Absolutely. Tell I don't Bama. know. It, it feels like yeah. It feels like Bama's come and don't get me wrong. They're still elite, and so they've still got a chance at winning them. I'm not saying they're not. They but could win there it this year still. Hey, they could win it this year. No, still. they can't. They're done this year. They are done. Uh, you've got three SEC teams above them. They're not getting in now. Like, but all I'm saying is that I think Bama has taken the fraction of a step back that we saw Clemson do the year after their kind of championship. I'm not saying they're on the same slide and trajectory as Clemson. I'm just saying Bama has come back to the pack just a fraction. Remember going back, even on this podcast, two or three years when we're like, we don't watch Bama because they're so fucking good. We can't see them losing. I can see Alabama losing right now. And, you know, they're just... You've got, a, you've got a first round top five quarterback. You've got one of the best running backs in the country. Yeah, your defense isn't as elite as it's ever been, but you've got Jordan Battle on the back end, who's an awesome safety. You've got Jaquincy McKinstry at cornerback. Like, I can... I'm not going to stop naming names. You've got Will Anderson, who's a freak. 
But Look, you know, you know my thoughts. That this, that the narrative that they've been pushing that this is a rebuilding year, I think is bullshit because yes. they are loaded with with what you've got. But I also think that this is one of the most talented teams in the country, and that on any given Sunday, Saturday, they could square up and and face any of these teams as well. So don't, it, don't, it, it hasn't don't worked disagree. out for them don't disagree. this year, absolutely. But, and, and let's say they don't make it this year. I still think they're going to be in the conversation next year. Like They're going to be one of the first four teams when we drop next year's oh, no doubt. I just, preseason. I, I don't disagree, but I think you know Georgia are really good. LSU, if they continue on their... It's, it may be more the fact that the SEC is a bit becoming a little bit uh, deeper, potentially. Old Miss have been consistently okay. Yeah, but they're about to get a anyway. couple of, of... The garbage from the Big 12 is coming across, so that'll lower the SEC standard. Cannon fodder. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, let's move on. Lots of takes there. Um, but to me, Bama is done for the year. We'll dive into that a little bit more um, after we go through the Week 11 games. TCU and Texas. Uh, Texas were favorites in this one against the number four ranked team in the country. And a defensive struggle in the Big 12. I will let you start on this one actually you're the big 12 aficionado so what were your thoughts anything that you kind of took away from this particular i am the big 12 guy i didn't actually get an opportunity to watch this one uh but i have gone back and had a bit of a look over it and i thought the whole narrative that the big 12 isn't a defensive you know it's, it's all offense it's a bit dated like yes that was the case maybe three or four years ago but it's changed. Like college football has changed. Big Twelve has changed very much. There's been some very good defenses coming out there. Dave Aranda's Baylor team have, have been putting it together. Uh, Oklahoma State, but prior to this year, the years before, have been playing better defense than they have been offense. Uh, there's quite a few programs. West Virginia have, have played better defense than they have. So to see this uh, is. I mean, there was a year back there in like 2011 where they didn't play any defense. No. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure there was, was like actually six guys every... on the field the whole time. Correct. They're just like, all right, let's just play air raid everyone. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll just throw it really far and hopefully we'll be the ones holding the ball last in the game because we'll score on that final drive and we'll win. Uh, look, um, TCU continuing to get it done. The perfect season remains alive. 10-0 and 0 now, uh, which is incredible because there's been a lot of one-score games that they've been able to get this done on. Um, Quinton Johnson uh, was... Again, massive in this one. He has really just blown up. He's getting top 10 hype now at a, at a draft level, which, I don't know, I'm getting some real Kevin White vibes. Mm. Which As is a Bears not good. fan, you As know. As a Bears fan, that. that hurts and it's not great. <laughs> he's, like, he's big and he's fast and he does some great stuff. But I think that... Different <sighs> to Kevin White, though. Kevin White was a, like a... He was more in the mold of like a DK Metcalf, wasn't he? Like bigger body, real X receiver type. Whereas Johnson's a bit more twitchy than that, isn't he? I know he's long, but he feels like he can make dudes miss in a phone booth. Kevin White wasn't doing that though, was he? Well, like Kevin White was an athlete. So yeah, he, he relied on that athleticism to get himself yards after the catch. Oh, well, as soon as he, t- he got paid in the pros, he's just like, fuck this. <laughs> I don't need this. But... um. <laughs> Like, he's done best out of it. No CTE for him. 
Yeah, I, I've got to agree with you. I love the defensive side of the ball. Bijan Robinson, 29 yards total for the Longhorns, 199 yards of offense. Um, is a massive effort by TCU. And, and Gary Patterson would be just rock hard <laughs> watching that TCU defense. Well, I don't know, because he was on the sideline for Texas in this game. Oh, so was I'm he? Not, I'm not sure. No, yeah, he's a, he's a defensive, uh, what do they call him? Something. Yeah, something like that. So I'm not sure he would have been thrilled about that one. But (laughs) I think the other thing to look at this one too is that Texas actually scored on a fumble return like late in the fourth to to make this close. Like TCU were controlling it and and had done a good job uh, and continue to be a real threat. Awesome. We're going to head across to the Pac-12, Washington and Oregon. Uh, Liked Oregon's unis in this one. But what did I love more than that? Washington's offense under Kalen DeBoer, I think beyond maybe this game, but certainly this game inclusive, they look so good. And he continues to turn that program around from an offense that struggled for years and years and years under your boy, uh, Coach Peterson. They just really struggled in offense. He's... Have I done something wrong? Yeah, well, I'm not happy with that. You're having a crack at my boy Chris Peterson, one of the greatest coaches to ever do. <laughs> Just wasn't great at offense. So I'm saying. Not a lot of he games. Couldn't get a, he couldn't get a... Yeah, because he called good defense. Um, and Gadget plays at Boise State. Uh, but he... DeBoer's done such a good job with Michael Penix and getting him out in space. It almost It's not run and shoot, obviously, because no one runs that thing anymore. But a lot of like these half rolls and getting him on the edges and giving him that run pass option stuff is um, you know, really, really good for him. Um, the vertical passing game's been impressive. So I've loved watching Washington's offense here. And I think Kalen DeBoer, depending on the lens in which you view Washington, I know he's a West Coast guy, but someone's got to throw some cash at him to go somewhere else I would think and Washington have you said it at the start of the year Washington have been one of the most disappointing teams in the, like the last 10 years or possibly overrated if that is actually true then he'll get he will leapfrog if they are not that and they are a genuine contender then they'll throw some cash at him to maybe uh, sweeten the pot a little bit to keep him around but I see him getting some phone calls over the summer break yeah, look, Washington is a big-time gig. I, If you're from that area, I think you could turn it into something even bigger. Uh, there's a lot of uncertainty as to what's happening with the Pac-12 with U- USC, UCLA exiting mm. and, and how that all shakes out. But uh, he is doing a good job. What is strange to me is that Arizona State loss. How did this team that was so impressive in this one that, that Michael Penix has been doing such a good job lose to fucking Arizona State? It would have been a bit of a disaster this year. Uh, they'd really be kicking themselves for that one because you take that off the, the record. I'll give them a loss to UCLA on the road. UCLA, good team. Uh, yeah, maybe it's because they I mean, were... They lost to Arizona <laughs> at home. Good team <laughs> on their day. <laughs> good team on their day. That, that takes not sounding so good anymore, is it? I'm still catching up to uh, Pac-12 after dark. So, spoiler alert. <laughs> Um, but look, they, they were super impressive in, in this one, uh, back-to-back ranked victories for them, uh, going into Ortson's difficult spot to play. So yeah. full credit. And I was obviously inspiring for them in the fact that I was on them and then ejected off of them. And, and that's really kind of helped turn things around for them. 
You and okay. I hated. That was weird. I hated the end of the game decision making by both Bo Nix and Dan Lanning. We saw it with Jackson Dart in the old Miss game. You see it again here. Going, I mean, you love an aggressive going for it, but they so they on the previous drive they ran Bo Nix up the guts a lot to try and score a touchdown. Uh, they didn't. They ended up settling for a field goal and then got him dinged up pretty badly. The next drive that they get. Um, they get to a fourth down on about their own 35, somewhere there. And fourth and one, Bonix on the sideline, a rookie, or not a rookie, a cold quarterback comes in. They go from fourth down, running back falls over, and they fall short. Washington go nowhere after the turnover and kick a field goal. And that was the difference in that. So that was an issue. Then on the very last series, so Washington then get the ball back with, what, about a minute to go. So can certainly drive the field and, and score a field goal, kick a field goal to tie this one up, take it to OT. They needed on that last pass play. They had six seconds to go. You know you've got to get to the sideline because you can't probably run a play, get down, and then spike it. But get to the sideline, get out of bounds, you needed like six or seven yards there to put that into field goal range. And you run a weird switch route on the outside with two wide receivers in the area, 15 yards downfield, just had no chance. And I just didn't understand the route combination. You didn't need 15 yards. Yeah, you'd like it, but get eight, get nine, give your kicker a shot. at. Yeah, it's still you're still asking a lot at 50 yards, but it's not asking a... Uh, Hail Mary kind of throw and, and chuck it up and, and see what happens. Um, so, yeah, I, I just I, the way that end of game was handled was really disappointing and probably the first sign of Dan Lanning or just a bit of learning for him, I guess. He's a first-time head coach. At some stage, you blow this kind of stuff. It just you, you can't do it without practicing it a couple of times in a real-game situation. And he'll reflect on that and look back and say, yeah, we probably mismanaged that. Um, and he'll address it and get that happening moving forward. But that leads me to my spicy take. I know Mario was criticized heavily for burning games at Oregon with poor management, but he's not the only one that's managed to do it. Yes, uh, there was certainly a lot of rage around that. And all I've got to say is hindsight is twenty twenty in these situations. <sighs> Punt the fucking ball away. The game's tired, dude. All right, moving on to some other games. I do need to mention this one before I'm going to handball to you. I know you've got a lot that you want to touch on just briefly, but UConn beating a ranked Liberty team. Like, I, I, if you don't know much about college football or you only follow kind of the head, UConn were terrible. Like, the whipping boys were talking maybe one win a year, often not. Um, even like FCS teams would beat up on UConn. They are now bowl eligible and they've beaten a ranked opponent. Jim Moore has done such a good job there to get that happening. I, I just, when you when you see this kind of stuff, like this is what it's kind of about. It's about those guys that have been there for four or five years and, and really struggled, really struggled. Maybe they've won. They probably, some of these guys have won more this year than they would have in their entire rest of their career in their college football lives so um good for them and I, I hope they get a fun bowl game where they get to go somewhere not cold like connecticut maybe get to the bahamas or something or get down to miami or something where they get to treat themselves so well done to the huskies yes yeah long time coming 
There's no one right, on what else you got for us? Nice. So I guess the, the last ones that I was going to mention in our pre-show last week that didn't get the opportunity to do were a bunch of teams that I thought were at real risk of losing. I thought this was going to be a bit of carnage over the weekend. So LSU and Arkansas. LSU got the job done in the tight one there. Uh, Clemson-Louisville, I thought that might get a bit strange, not to be the case. Uh, Clemson easily accounted for them in that one. Penn State-Maryland. Maryland have been pretty good this year. Penn State mm. smacked them. Georgia-Mississippi State, I mean, that can be a tough place to play there in Starkville. Not an issue for this Georgia team. Clearly flexing that they're the best in the nation at the moment. K-State at Baylor, maybe that's going to be tough. They easily won that. Uh, Florida State-Syracuse, the, the Carrier Dome. That was never going to be close. That was never Carrier Dome, that, that shit is tough to play, and it, it was not close. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> the, one, the one where it was actually uh, a little bit tight was UNC Wake, and that was probably, you know, always going to be a, a good yeah. matchup. But UNC got it done. And then the surprising one for me, BC, knocking off NC State. Yeah. So I didn't have yeah. that one listed, but that was the one that was like, whoa, I didn't see that coming. I thought well, the it was going to be one of the others. Navy putting up 35 points against Notre Dame yeah. and getting that within a field goal. I was like, if they said, oh, they kept it within a field goal, I'd be like, oh, okay, their defense played well and the score was 10-7. <laughs> but it was a shootout. With the midshipmen. So, um, yeah, probably didn't get that. And and before we do jump into week 12, you're probably going to be hunting for some similar... It's It shapes up quite similar, actually. And there's probably a whole bunch of average games and the highly kind of rated ones, that two or three of them that exist. But which of the ones are going to get freaky? Don't know. Um, I guess we will have a look at that. Okay, so what does all this mean in terms of the wins, the losses, all that kind of stuff? In terms of the college football playoff and where teams are going, who's still in contention? I know this is, you love debating a ranking, Will, so I'm going to hand over to you. I'm just going to set the table for you right there. You've tried to steal the ranking angle from me this year, but the college football playoff, oh, excellent. There's a little teaser for our uh, listeners who are looking to drop off. Now they'll hang around, without a doubt. Uh, There there was only a little bit of change this week in the playoff rankings. So Oregon's loss had them drop out. Uh, I believe they were in at, was it six? And they've fallen all the way back out and are now irrelevant. And we're we're essentially down to nine. Irrelevant. Let's calm down on that. uh, I'm talking national championship. College football playoff. Uh, conversation. So I've got the nine, uh, Georgia at the top, and, and they, over the last couple of weeks, have, have put a bit of distance between the rest of the pack behind them. You've got Ohio State and Michigan. That is looking like an absolute belter. Uh, juicy matchup, two and three there, but one's got to lose. TCU continue to win at four, which is good, great for them. Uh, Tennessee at five, LSU at six, USC still in the conversation at seven, Alabama at eight, I refuse to rule them out, and Clemson, the last one's there, at nine. Okay, so what do you want to, do you want me to challenge this? Well, no, no, I guess what I'm saying is... this week is that there's very little move from last week, so mm. we didn't see any carnage. We didn't see chaos amongst the top there. We are set with these nine teams down the stretch fighting it out to see who are going to be the final four. So just a quick one here: Michigan, Ohio State. They one of those teams is probably not going to make the Big Ten championship game because they're going to lose. One of them will in their matchup that's upcoming. Does that loser still make the playoff? I don't think so, but there would be an argument for it. It'll be Mm. interesting to see. 
I guess like oh, yeah it, I, we can't we get into the world of speculation hugely here if we start kind of throwing up all the what ifs but we've never seen a two lost team get in and it doesn't look like this is going to be the year for that either but you've potentially got a one loss ACC champion either North Carolina or Clemson you've got a one loss Pac-12 champion potentially a one loss it, let's say TCU drop one a one loss um, Big Ten champion and a big a one loss Big Twelve champion. Sorry with TCU and a one loss maybe with a high state of Michigan, uh, maybe. And the SEC a little bit hard to say at this point, but you could end up with a one loss SC, uh, two loss LSU winning the SEC, <laughs> and then I don't know what happens. Um, so there is a chance that there's a whole bunch of uh, one loss champions and who gets in and who gets left out. This year, I know we always say like, oh, this year more than most, it's going to be hard to predict. But uh, And there's a lot to play out here still with rivalry games just around the corner and then um, championship games as well. But uh, And we know that all these things kind of settle and it all makes sense sort of in a weird, strange college football world. But yeah, it's gonna. It feels like this year more than most. There could be a lot of arguments around who gets in, particularly because the Big Twelve haven't completely eaten each other. The Pac Twelve is relevant for the first time in a while, so those two conferences are back in the discussion. Yes, well, it's the Pac Twelve actually having a contender and a legitimate option at this stage that could all change this week but at this mm. stage they have someone at the table that makes things all the much spicier all right let's go Aussie punters. punters punters hit us so three familiar blokes that i want to pump up again this week uh, <laughs> i'm really playing favorites and it's not right but the numbers are speaking to me mason fletcher cincinnati punter Against ECU, six punts, averaged over 46 yards per, had three returned for a total of zero yards. Like he, He's a big reason as to why they had that tight win over ECU this week. Fantastic job, my man. Next up, Adam Corsack. Uh, I think he's been mentioned the most this year. He's got to be in the running for the Ray guy with the, the effort that he's had. Uh, five punts, over 45 yards per, and, and none of them returned because he's doing such a good job. He's, he's sending the ball so darn high that ain't nothing happening. But of all the players this week, Ethan Dwayne. Dwayne? Going with Dwayne. Dwayne. Yeah. Uh, Old Dominion. Busy. Six punts. Averaged over 48 yards per. And on each of those, didn't have anything returned. So uh, the Monarchs got absolutely fisted by James Madison in this one, 37-3. But he's doing his part. He is he is sending it downfield, giving them a long field. It's just that they were eating it up and, and scoring quite easily with that long field. That's it. That's it. All right. I got a couple of little segs for us here as we hit intermission, kind of centered around we've put week 11 in the books. We've hit a close, so now we can start moving forward. So let's do that. I'm going to touch on some teams that are hunting for bowl eligibility, and you're going to tell me, are they going to make it or not? I've only got five and five teams here, so they're only searching for one win. They need one. Are they going to get there? And there's a few teams here that normally would make bowl games. Straight out the blocks, maybe a bit of a... So, so they've all pick. got two to play? And then they all one got win. two to play. All got two to play. Miami, 
Five and five. They've got Clemson and Pitt. The Pitt game is at home where they have struggled to win. <laughs> uh, look, you're not beating Clemson. Pitt have been road. so all over the shop. I don't yeah. know. I like... I'll say you will get there. I'll say you'll win that, that last game and you'll scrape by and get the six wins. Don't know if we need to. Wisconsin Oof. on the ropes here. they got Nebraska and Minnesota. Yeah, they'll win one of those two. Uh, I mm. think with Jim Leonard uh, calling the shots, they've been better. Mm. Uh, and I think he's fighting for a job. Credibility. <laughs> well, a job, right? Like this yeah, is yeah. Part, he, he's in the conversation to stay on there. So I think uh, they win one, if not both of those games. A team that was in the college football playoff conversation maybe this time last year, Michigan State. Oof, yeah. Indiana and Penn State. Uh, yeah, they'll beat Indiana. Yeah, Indiana are bad, right? They're, they're no good. They'll lose to Penn State. Penn State... Not a bad football team at the moment. They're, they're travelling really well. Uh, they're not someone you'd want to be coming into at this time of year, mm. uh, especially in their conditions. Uh, that would be a, a tough out, but uh, they'll knock over Indiana. So, yes, they'll make it. Texas Tech, Iowa State, then Oklahoma. Ooh, they're really running the risk here. I don't like it. Where's that Iowa State game? Have you got that up in front of you? I know that's I this week. I can find it. That is this week. I believe it is at home, but I could if be... If they're t- at home, I'll back them in. If they're in Ames, I don't like their chances of getting it done. Yeah, like, Iowa State have been weird this year. Uh, it is in Ames, Iowa. Yeah, I, th- I, think, I think they might struggle. Night game, night game in Ames. Yeah, <laughs> look, I, I, I will obviously watch that. Because they got Iowa. off to such a good start this year. They did, they did. And like there's there's still a chance. Like, I mean, Oklahoma is not the Oklahoma of old. They could win that game, but yeah, I yeah. don't like their chances. A team that we loved last year that we expected more from Kendall Bryles maybe hasn't got exactly what he wanted as the offensive coordinator here at Arkansas. They got Old Miss and then Missouri in the last game. Yeah, definitely they're going to win both of those games. Oh, wow. Interesting. Okay, Oklahoma, Bedlam this week, and then the aforementioned Texas Tech. So they'll definitely win this week, which is going to break my heart. <laughs> yeah, I'm okay. And then that whole, you know, Texas Tech one, they'll be, oh, I don't know. Yeah, they, they'll get there. They'll get there. Yeah. Um, some notable teams that are going to struggle to get there, Auburn. I mean, they're notable, but haven't been great lately. They need to beat Western Kentucky and then win the Iron Bowl to get to six wins. They need to win wins. both. They need to win both. That ain't happening. And Iowa State, we mentioned as well. They need to win both um, to get home. In the group of five, just quickly run through them. Louisiana at mm-hmm. five and five. They need to get another game. Under Billy Napier, this was a guarantee not happening so much this year. The other team on the ropes, App State, five and five. So the team there's that two kind off of Texas A&M is not yet bowl eligible. Jeez. And they were going through like crazy comebacks and like undefeated there for a what bit. What is going oh. on at Texas A&M? Um, on top of that, you've got Bowling Green, Ball State, Rice. Get around Rice. They were fucking horrific for a long time, <laughs> and uh, looking to get bowl eligible. Memphis. I mean, I know they're a bit up and down, but they have not been the same since... Um, uh, who's my boy now at Florida State? Mike Norvell. 
Mike Norvell left there. They haven't been the same since then. Buffalo, BYU was supposed to be good this year. They're they were, five and they five. They were good for a little while. I, I was yeah. talking them up for like, as like a playoff team. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. Uh, Southern Miss, FAU, Middle Tennessee, UAB. They've been really good <laughs> recently in terms of like winning Conference USA and anyway, and Utah State is the other team there. So um, we'll see what happens. Hold on to your, your hats with those teams. All right. A&M Mice. are not going bowling. Like they no. can't. They're a three-win no. team. This no. is a disaster. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. Uh, fucking hell, Miami. <laughs> Nine fucking points. Nine <laughs> points. All right. Uh, okay. You're going to like this one. This is my mystery segment. Sixth teams in the power oh i can say power five but it's actually six teams in college football that should probably fire their head coach but probably won't okay okay as always i will start with number six and that is i've sort of gone with um coaches that have been at their location for three-ish years or more like um we're not firing people straight out the gate that's not what we're about here number six mike leach mississippi state yeah okay I mean, tough, get rid of him. Tough gig. Get rid of him. Yeah, the right. air raid, the the pure air raid that Mike Leach runs, the how mummy kind of tree of air raid. He changed the game at Texas Tech. He changed the game at Washington State. He's done amazing things. But the no run air raid guys are becoming dinosaurs. And when Mike Leach looks in the mirror, he's starting to grow some scales here. His recruiting has never been a strength. The defense has only regressed since he has been there. Um, it is time for Mississippi State to go a different direction. Give me a Matt Rule at Mississippi State. I like that fit. Yeah, don't hate that. Uh, number five, Dana Holgerson, Houston. This was the coaching hire that was going to shake up college football. He took a group of five job from a power five job in West Virginia. He was supposed to do what Tom Herman did at Houston and what Luke Fickle is doing or currently doing or has done at Cincinnati, and that is dominate the group of five yearly, put Houston in a position to get to the playoff. The offense, which he is known for, has never fired on all cylinders consistently, and we are left with a mediocre Cougars outfit that you thought was going to end up pushing up into the middle of the, the rankings here, and they haven't. They've fallen completely flat. Yeah, I definitely would have owned them in the championship draft had we gone that route again. They have been disappointing. I don't know if dumping him on the move into the Big Twelve is the right call here. I, uh, I guess I'm not. I'm not looking at uh, certain like broad. Yeah, I, I get that. The, the replacement for me, Tom Herman. <laughs> Bring him back. Hook him. Uh, number. What are we at? Number four. Charles Chip Kelly, UCLA. Ooh. The experiment is working in LA. You've got a high-powered coach, uh, a, a, a brainiac on the offensive side of the ball. It's worked, just not at UCLA. It's happening at USC, just around the corner. It, the turnaround for them has already begun. At UCLA, Chip has not produced the Oregon version of himself. He was once the creative mastermind and there are many coaches that have stood on his shoulders after he was so instrumental in changing the game, both at the college and professional level. Uh, but this is as good as it gets for him. This 
is an experienced team this year. They are talented. They have got their quarterback. You're not going to get any more players than this, and they just lost to Arizona. Chip Kelly team is supposed to be in the playoff contention consideration every second year or every year, and he never has been with this UCLA outfit. This is his ceiling at this point. It is obvious it is time to move on. Wow, eh? I mean, we were talking that this UCLA team had turned it around like two weeks ago, it feels like. And Weeks a long time in college football. <laughs> it certainly is. Uh, all right, my replacement here, Kellen Moore. Oh, interesting. Go get him from the Dallas he's, Cowboys. He's staying, in the, he's staying in the NFL, isn't he? Oh, this is a Big Ten gig. What are you talking about? In LA, <laughs> big market. I don't, know. I don't know if any of this is working, but that's, that's who my number one guy would be if I'm uh, the Bruins AD. Number three... A guy that I really like. We're heading. We're staying in the Pac-12. David Shaw, Stanford. They are terrible this year. They are sitting bottom below Colorado somehow. This is his twelfth year um, at Stanford. I love him. I think he's a fantastic guy. He's um, so well spoken. He's articulate. He's a really good coach. Love him, and I love what he did with Andrew Luck. Uh, and like I said, genuinely good person. But since the Andrew Luck days, this Stanford team has regressed and over the last couple of years regressed horribly. In fact, since you predicted their downfall to not make a bowl game, they have been absolutely shit-ass. The defense continues to take a step back. Recruiting has plateaued and recruiting is hard at Stanford. And I know even before he got there, they were not a good team. So he certainly built them up, but he's also the guy that's responsible for their downfall as well. This power offense, lots of dudes in the backfield, condensed fronts and compressed sets it's had its day in the sun it doesn't work anymore uh time to go in a different direction for stanford yeah look it's tough to argue uh, i'm a big david shaw fan as well uh, he's he's a great person of the game uh but the results cannot continue on this way and and he can keep his job it's just not how this sport works so i think you're right they are do a move and i'm not sure who is a good fit for that one to be honest you, you help me out here anyone it's a, it's a tough one it is a tough one uh, because of how hard it is to recruit there i think you probably do have to go with somebody who's a little bit creative on the offensive side of the ball um but there's a lot to sell like if you can get the nil money in because of you know stanford you're in silicon valley there there's no reason that you can't lean into that um but I don't know. I'm not all over that. Again, you're probably thinking a West Coast guy on some level. Oh, I'd say Kalen DeBoa, but that's probably a step back <laughs> at this point. Uh, number two, Kirk Ferentz, Iowa. Longest tenured coach, maybe in all of college football. This is his 24th season with the Hawkeyes. The offense has been a fucking shit show for most of those years. You can be good at defense and still be good at offense. What? And, and still wave at the kids in the hospital. You can do all of those things. He hired his son as the OC. He has never been good. There's been racial slurs. Not that I'm like basing it on that, but you need to get an, someone in there that can get more out for this offense. Um, sorry, Kirk. It is time to go. Yeah, okay. I mean... 
that's that's a tough kick. Why? So why are they number one? What's the logic that's behind that? Number two. Number two. Oh, we're still at number two here. Okay. Yeah, I got one more. Yeah. Right. Last one. Last one's quick. I don't really know because I feel like the other guys you could make arguments for. David Shaw probably could be number one in terms of, but I just think Kirk Ferentz. This this offense has been a disaster. Like, yeah, he's he's getting some wins, but he's never really pushing for anything more than, you know, competitive in uh, the Big Ten west and then he never competes in the championship game on any meaningful level so i just again you're i guess i'm looking for guys that are keeping the ceiling low for their programs even if they have been successful previously which brings me to the last one and i know you've just mentioned this particular team and the fact that their defensive coordinator has just been nominated for a broyles award as the best assistant in the country but for me james franklin penn state Oof. don't think he's a bad coach I'd actually I don't think he's a great coach but he is the Dan Mullen of Florida he's going to keep you in the win-loss column doing some good stuff but he's never going to jump Michigan and Ohio State never ever never ever 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 it is not going to happen for James Franklin it's a risky move because you're pushing all your chips in to say you know the devil you know is better than the devil you don't. Um, are you willing to, to chase that guy who could be at, like bottom you out completely, maybe, or you just roll with James Franklin and accept um, above average play every year, but never competing for a national championship? Oh, yeah, and it feels like the sort of move they'd do and then they'd go out and get like Bill O'Brien. Yeah. <laughs> and you'd just yeah. be like, nah, yuck. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you have to get that higher right, obviously, and it would be controversial, but I think, what are you after here? If you're Penn State and chasing national championships, you make a move. If you're not, and some teams are okay with that and they're accepting of where they are in the college football um, you know, web of comp- competitors, if they're accepting of their place in that, then carry on with James Franklin. Yeah, look, who's the guy? Like Matt Campbell, someone like that? Are they t- tipping you over the top? I don't think so. Like, you guys didn't even get double-digit win seasons. I don't know. It's a tough one, but I liked your list. Thank you, my friend. No worries. Just ranking ever. stuff. Just ranking stuff. Okay, let's get to week 12 because we've still got to get on the punt as well. Uh, not a great week for a neutral, if you ask me, uh, outside of the Pac-12 games. Um, statistically speaking, we didn't have it last week, but someone's got to fall this week. Michigan versus Illinois. Maybe Illinois give them a bit of a shock. Maryland, Ohio State. We've seen Maryland give Ohio State problems in the past. Kentucky and Georgia. Baylor and TCU. Somebody here is probably going to stumble somewhere. I know you can say no to all of those probably in a logical headspace, but... College football is anything but logical. Um, so someone here somewhere must stumble, surely. Yeah, it's, it's how it happens, right? And it certainly will happen somewhere. I know TCU only two and a half point favourites in their one, so that's an easy one to point to on the road at Baylor. But I just don't see it there. I don't Any of the ones that you mentioned there, I don't like the look of. Uh, I think this week's games, as you mentioned, not great, especially for the early slate. There's not a lot there. That's where I, I found all the value on the punt, and we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit later. So I'm doing all my gambling early and then all my enjoyment at the back end. And Won't be um, enjoying, though, because you'll be crying into your cornflakes and then trying to watch football. It'll be a yeah, disaster. Yeah, I make it sound like my punting is not enjoyable. I have a lot of fun while I'm doing 
punting, even when I'm losing. Like, actually, no, that's not true. I am quite. What do you mean, stressed. even when you're losing? It should just be like, I have a lot of fun with my punting. Full stop. <laughs> we know you're losing. Yeah, that's that goes without saying. Um, right, let's let's get into the two pack twelve games. Can we do that? Let's do it. Can we kick like off? Them. Okay, I am. So let's start with USC UCLA, and and I'm not necessarily interested in this game in isolation. I'm interested in this game because it is part A of the scenario that I'm most interested in, and that is the top four Pac-12s are in a Pac-12 pillow fight this week, USC versus UCLA and Oregon versus Utah. So your top four teams are duking it out this week. Um, USC 7-1 and one in conference, and they're sitting atop the standings. Oregon and Utah both 6-1, and one, UCLA 5-2. and two. So results certainly matter in these games i know they always matter but in this week um in this game particularly if ucla win this they're going to jump ahead of the loser of the oregon utah game um and if they'd only held on against arizona they got caught looking ahead there maybe a fraction um but the shines come off them with that loss to the wildcats big rivalry in la means a lot to both these fan bases to the game itself what do you reckon will how does this one play out I really like the way that USC are traveling at the moment and the Rose Bowl with how it's being attended at the moment does not seem like a very intimidating place to go and play. So I don't give UCLA a lot of home field advantage. I'd like to think that quite a few people will turn out to this game. Big rivalry match within LA. Both teams ripping the heart out of the Pac-12 and, and fleeing here. So there's a bit more on, on that front too. But I think USC is just the, the better complete team. Now, there's been a lot said about USC's defense and some of the question marks around that, and I think that's probably fair. But I have a lot of faith in Caleb Williams and what he can do and Lincoln Riley and a game that he can call. And I think they're going to put up points. I think we're going to see a lot of points from that side. And UCLA, Chip Kelly, DTR have been successful this year, but they're just not at that same level, in my opinion. I think they're really going to struggle to keep pace with this USC team that is just going to cut them to pieces. Uh, And for mine, I think USC are are rolling and are real smoky to make it through into the playoffs this year, which is exciting for them because this fan base has been starving for it. Yeah, I, I think UCLA's defensive front is pretty good, though, and they should be able to hold a pretty, I don't want to say pedestrian, but certainly not explosive USC run game. Uh, that's been probably the semi-weak point for them if they've got one on that offensive side of the ball. And I think UCLA can can stop the run up front. And if that's the case, yeah, you, you know, maybe you're picking your poison and you're going against a Lincoln-Riley team that will be able to pass the ball um, with Caleb Williams, Jordan Addison, all the you know kind of weapons they've got there. But I think this game will be close. I you know I, I the line is close, um, and I'll talk about that on the punt as well. Sneaky Ooh. look ahead. Uh, but I usually don't love rivalries, but I've, I've lent into this one, so should be an interesting game. Um, I could actually see like kind of a blowout either way. Like if UCLA won by ten, that wouldn't really shock me. Um, and if USC won by twenty, that wouldn't shock me either. You'd so ne- you'd need a big um, game from my boy Charbonnet. Yeah, yeah, yeah and that's UCLA the thing. Like, yeah, um, the other Pac-12 game, Oregon, Utah. You're looking for an Oregon team to bounce back. You're looking for Bo Nix to bounce back against 
Um, a Utah team that obviously, unfortunately, lost that game against Florida in, earlier in the year, but they've been, you know, pretty good since that point in time. Uh, and then, you know, it's it's not an easy place to play in Salt Lake City. Uh, high altitude, if that's a thing. Well, it definitely is a thing. This game's and in Watson. Is it? Yeah. Nailed it. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> bounce back I mean, at home. Two, not with two home games. Salt Lake two home games play. would be uh, suggesting... Well, if, you, if you'd done the prep on our bloody run sheet and put the location, that would have been my better. Bad, thanks, um, then all of a sudden you go two home games and in college football, you like the sound of that. After losing last week in a tight one, emotional win, um, you sort of would then be... I'd be thinking more Oregon at this point. Um, but two offenses that are getting going and so looking forward to an offensive contest in this game as well. Yeah, look, fair bit on the line in this one, so it's not the national uh, stake, but I think the winner of this is probably in the box seat to go on to the Pac-12 championship game. If, if USC are to get up in that one there, I think it's probably the winner of this one. So a lot to be played for. Both teams have been really good at times this year and then have, have kind of had disappointing losses that has derailed their season, but they haven't been absolute shockers. So uh, both of Utah's losses to UCLA and to Florida are kind of forgivable, right? Um, and then on the flip side of it, we had Oregon going down to a decent Washington team last week and then obviously the best team in the country week one. So there's there's excuses for those losses there and these two teams match up really well in this game. I think this is just yeah. going to be like a really good football game to enjoy. There'll be a lot of people who go, oh, neither of these teams are in the playoff conversation so I don't really care and I think that's a bad view to take because one of these teams could well make it in the Pac-12 championship game so there's a lot to play for. And th- there's some fantastic playmakers all over the field you've got cam rising who has been maybe somewhat disappointing this year but the dude can sling it and he's good fun to watch running around and bo Nix, who's one of the most dynamic guys in all the college football at the moment on the other side there's going to be some outrageous uniforms without a doubt and then like the the contrast in styles here i think makes for an interesting tactical matchup too so there's something for all all fans of the game at all levels if you just like the pretty colors or you like the nitty-gritty strategic details it's all there for you and and this one for me is probably game of the week of, of everything yep yeah absolutely i agree i'm all aboard this oregon team just a quick note on oregon and their offense whilst they kind of didn't get the result last week this oregon offensive line how many sacks have they given up this year so far uh 20 one whoa yeah they're fucking good uh so utah who rely on not bringing a heap of heat from the second level they try and play it with just the down lineman um you're up against an oregon offensive line that is really really good at protecting the passer so um, and you combine that with bo nix's athleticism um and he's going to have some time back there and can utah dbs stay sticky for long enough um to force them to get into kind of down and distance they don't want to be or create turnovers um, and and keep them behind the chains. Or will Oregon, you know, maybe break this one open? All right, some other games. I'm going to pick a homer pick this week. I haven't spoken about them. But Clemson-Miami, um, I'm not going to watch it. Again, not going to watch it. But <laughs> want to know if, if Miami have, in fact, improved. Was that a turning point for them? All the 
kind of talk around the football program at the moment is, um, you know, a lot of the old older guys that maybe culturally aren't a fit anymore for Mario and his crew are looking to transfer um, or maybe starting to sit and the young guys are coming through. So has it been a turning point for them? Are they starting to get it or would Georgia Tech just this bad? And also, is Clemson's offense actually any good? Uh, DJU has struggled this game on and off. He's been fits and starts for them. Will Shipley's been kind of the the barometer to keep things consistent there for Clemson. But 19 points spread in this one, which is huge. If Miami can keep this to oh, 7 to 10 points, I'd be pretty happy with that. And they show progress. Yes, I I think it's a tough one for your guys. Uh, change in culture. Let's say it's just a transition year through to uh, to what Mario's yep. trying to instill in that program. I have to believe that because he's going to be here a while. So, <laughs> uh, What else have you got for us? Uh, so I think Bedlam is worth mentioning here. Uh, Snooze, Oklahoma win. I mean, yes, that is. Oklahoma State will drive for the game and Spencer Sanders will throw an interception. If we were to go through the 100-year history of it, then yes, I can see where your sentiment <laughs> may be coming from there with Oklahoma winning the vast majority of these teams. But this Oklahoma team is not yet bowl eligible and it is rare for us to get in this position where that is the case. So maybe it means we're going to get a different outcome. I'm clinging on to that hope, but... Uh, the, the natives sure are getting restless in Oklahoma. They are not used to being 5-5 five and five at this point of the year. They've, they've lost the last two games. Welcome back to the quagmire, Sooners fans. Yeah. It's not fun. Uh, so, uh, Spencer Sanders, weird situation. Didn't start last week, but yeah, played out the game. So he's had like some injury concerns, but then he was just feeling to... better after halftime. He's like, you know what? I'm just going to let the sting come out of this one, and yeah. then I'll, I'll come, just going to limber up. I, I, <laughs> I'm not going to get there on time because I got some yeah. shit happening this morning. I got to help a buddy move. I got some stuff going on, but I'll get there. I'll start warming up, and then by about the third, I should be good to go. And and that's how it played out. And he was awesome when he came on and kind of sparked wow. them. Yeah, he did to awesome. 20 points. Awesome. awesome. <laughs> Spark them for victory. Uh, so now he gets to duel it out with uh, Dylan Gabriel. Uh, and we'll see. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's always one marked around. Like, we've got the three losses now. Not much to play for except a sweet Alamo Bowl or something. But it'll all be worth it if we can just win this week. So who's going to the Big 12 Championship game with TCU? K-State? Maybe K-State. Maybe Texas still. Were they in the conversation? Like it's. I don't know. It's a bit... Are we going an all-purple Big 12 championship game? That would that be would good. That would be gnarly. <laughs> uh, so like it is looking like TCU. Then we've got K-State at 5-2 and two in conference. Then it's Oklahoma State, Baylor, Texas, all at 4-3 and three from there. So I still feel like you're alive here. I know you need K-State to drop both, and you've got to win both. Yes, which does not feel great as K-State are playing West Virginia and Kansas, but hey. <laughs> so we've got an all-purple Big 12 championship game. I like it. This is Look, good. West Virginia on the road, tough out, and Kansas, who knows? Berserker. Speaking of who knows, I'm only putting this one in here. Uh, it's like a sneaky watcher if it's tight. Maryland, Ohio State. Not because I'm a true believer in this, but Ohio State have been off the mark a little bit, and Maryland have been a huge bogey team for the Buckeyes over the last few years. They just haven't been able to put them away ever. 
Um, and I feel like Mer- Maryland could play Berserker. They could also lose by 700 points, but it feels like a Berserker opportunity um, for this team. And, and again, Ohio State may be looking forward to Michigan next week, and they've been, you know, they're still winning, so I'm not concerned on any level whatsoever, but a bit scratchy the last couple of weeks, and this might be another way that they're like, oh, let's just win and move on. Oh, but things could get a little weird. Okay, while well, we're throwing out wild statements, I uh, mentioned it briefly earlier, but uh, Old Miss are playing at Arkansas in this one. So Old Miss currently, what, 12th team in the nation, something like that. Arkansas are going to win. Arkansas will win this football game in Fayetteville. And if they don't? It's, it's, it's a Oregon is complete 12 as well. Old Miss are 14. It's not happening. Book it. All right, that. Is kind of all the big ones. You're happy with all those, William? I am, my friend. Perfect. Let's get to the man, the myth, the money. We're going on the punt. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Money, money. All right. We've got our picks this week. We both did send out our picks on the socials uh, last week so whilst we didn't have the episode out we were able to still get the picks out there and if you followed us bad luck to you because we were not great again unfortunately i am now in this really awkward spot where i have improved my punting game to the point where i am just adequate and it's, it's terrible. It's, it's terrible for everyone. It's not good for me because I don't really make any money. It's not good for the listeners because previously they could bank on me being awful, betting against me and making a shitload of money. Uh, and now I just sit like in the middle here and it's, a, it's not a good spot to be going 500. So what did you go last week? 50%. Uh, oh, right I, went, I went two and two. So my picks were Indiana plus 40. Uh, they lost by 42. So well done, Vegas. <laughs> Uh, A&M over Auburn straight up uh, They lost by three Couldn't quite get it done And they're so bad What What is that? Uh, and then I had San Diego State Plus two and a half to beat San Jose State They were able to get that done quite comfortably And Maryland minus ten They won by fucking heaps So uh, I was pretty good there What about you mate? I'm looking at uh, your picks here And they don't, I went, they don't look fantastic Two and three, Fresno. I took Fresno to cover against UNLV. They didn't. They won, but didn't cover. Washington. You Oregon, also o- took that after it was played. Well, I, I that, that was one that I. To be fair, that was one that I looked at earlier in the week, and okay. I was like, I'm, I'll be honest with you, I'll take it, because um, that's when Good I on was you. like, yeah, that'll happen. What, um, Washington, Oregon. I took the over 72 and a half. They hit like 71 or something. And I thought if Wash, if Oregon had fucking marched the field properly and kicked a field goal, then they were a chance. Then we're going to over T and then we're even bigger chance. Like there was, it was always going to go over, but it didn't. Tennessee minus 21 versus Mizzou. That was easy money. They were throwing the ball late. I'd be tempted this week to just take Tennessee minus the points. I don't know who, oh, they're playing South Carolina. Just take Tennessee minus the points. They're against the spread. They must be fucking crushing it this year. So just take Tennessee minus the points. I'm not going to do that, but you probably should. Um, Bama Ole Miss over 64.5. Fucking put some extra points on the board there, Ole Miss. Don't go for it on downs early in the game. Kick the field goal. That game goes over time. We hit the over as well there, but you fucked that up. And UCF outright over Tulane. That was easy money. 
Uh, but two out of five, not so good. What do you got this week? I got so, six. You got two, see, I like this week too. I've, I've I've managed to trim it down to five, but there were a lot that I liked, especially early in the piece, and then I wanted to really sharpen it up and just give you the the red hot winners here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's what I've delivered. Start things off. TCU at Baylor. Give me the two and a half points that TCU are giving up on the road there. I think they win this one. Uh, and I think they certainly cover those two and a half points. Baylor struggled last week against Kansas State. TCU are traveling well, historically have played well in Waco. So I like that. I ha- that was there. number one on my list. So tick. Excellent. Uh, next one, Pitt, seven and a half points at home against Duke. Oh, seven and a half points against Duke. Uh, this pit team, whilst not fantastic this year, I think they can handle uh, a tutty and the hook on that. So, not a problem. Pit minus seven and a half there. Next up, give know. me Didn't give me a big know. number. Northwestern, one win. Northwestern plus twenty uh, at Purdue. Oh. Don't doesn't, do that. Doesn't Don't feel like enough that. points, does it? Does not feel like enough points. <laughs> but I like it. This Northwestern team <laughs> has has played very well uh, against when? Purdue here. Historically, against Purdue oh. on the road. Whenever they've made this trip, they've either won it or they've they've uh, covered the spread in recent history. So I think that's why you this see... This is not a recent history's line. Northwestern team, though. Well, Northwestern had... a couple of good years but they've also had some some lean stuff in there too uh northwestern plus 20 that's a lot of points there i think they'll keep that a lot closer than that (laughs) next up arizona state now i was ragging them for not being a very good football team earlier in this program but they are at home against oregon state and they're getting eight points i'll take that give me the eight against oregon state i think they even win this one would not shock me but they definitely keep it within a touchdown so arizona state plus eight And to bring it home for our group of five fans out there, the Middle Tennessee State Blue Raiders uh, plus six over FAU, Florida Atlantic. So two five and five teams battling it out for bowl eligibility. Give me the Blue Raiders plus six. They'll feel good about that, losing by three, (laughs) but they've covered. So, hey, we're not going bowling. All right, I've got the TCU one as well. I know you're going to steer clear of Bedlam. How the hell are Oklahoma State getting seven points here? Like, I don't understand that. So, I'm taking Oklahoma State plus seven. And a lot of the money was with Oklahoma. So, I think the line started at, what, five and a half or four or something, and it's blown out to seven. So, um, yeah, give me... Give me Oklahoma State there. Appreciate uh, Mar- your support, friend. <laughs> Mar- I'm I'm going to lean into the Maryland sitch. Twenty-seven and a half points feels like a lot. At quarter time, it might feel like way too few, but <laughs> I'm going to take Maryland plus twenty-seven and a half. I'm going to go. On the road? Is that in? Oh, these are all good questions, mate. No, that's got to be at home, surely. 27 and a half points is not enough to go to the shoe yep. against. Okay. I don't so, know. Yeah, you keep going. I'll look it up. Okay. Uh, what else have I got? I'm going to the Battle of the Liberty Bell. Is that what it's called? In UCLA, 
USC, some sort of bell. There's a bell on the line here. USC, minus two and a half. UCLA um, have p- played not as well. Obviously lost to Arizona, but didn't play that well the week before that. So fading down the stretch here a little bit. Tro- uh, rivalry game, dangerous to gamble on. Don't love it. I've done it with Oklahoma State and Oklahoma, so let's lean into it. Trojans are good for it. Public money's been with UCLA, so I feel even better about that. So I'm taking USC minus two and a half, and I'm taking the under 75 as well. I don't think these teams put up... I could see like a 35, you know, 30 game or something, but I don't think it's going the distance there. And lastly, Sorry, what Illinois, was the over-under number there? 75. Okay, thank you. Illinois plus 17 and a half against Michigan. <laughs> Brett Brett Bielema's got his team doing really good stuff and they play real Brett Bielema football they take the air out of it they try and run the ball you don't get as many possessions um, which reduces yeah you're going to lose games like they just lose quicker but they don't get blown out by as much so um, I I could see Michigan getting caught in a bit of a look ahead and they're a team that has been not they haven't had that game this year they haven't played down at all whereas Ohio State kind of has a little bit and and Georgia had that tight one against Mizzou Michigan hasn't had that game yet so I'm hoping that well I'm not hoping I know it's going to be this week against Illinois and they're going to keep it um, that's 17 and a half that little half really makes me feel good might need it might need it okay no that's good I, I do like USC pick there I, I tried to play that Ohio State game last week with 40 points and it didn't work out so I wish you nothing but the best in your quest for it uh, the Oklahoma State one I'm glad you're on board but I feel nervous for you uh, it's it's not the train I'd be jumping on uh, but that's fantastic and then Illinois Michigan's an interesting one because Michigan are certainly the better football team but you're right these two programs are going to run the ball a lot not going to have a huge play count in this one so that that hook might come into play <laughs> all right uh that brings us to the end of a big big week 12 show uh make sure you hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at CFB Down Under and Burnley Brewing make sure you support those guys J.A. get the fuck out of hospital and Vault Studio Podcast support the guys with that as well on behalf of that guy over there thank you so much for joining us my name's Aaron that is Will and we will see you next time Mm -hmm.